AOC caught partying in Florida while COVID decimates New York. Dan Crenshaw and Marjorie Taylor Greene are fighting again. And Joe Biden just may get a challenge from the left in 2024. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. Happy New Year, my problematics. I love you all so much. And before we get into AOC being caught partying in in Florida and Miami while New York is is going COVID crazy again, um, I just want to let you guys know that I was also in Florida over New Year's weekend. I went to Miami. I had an absolute blast. And I met more than one of you on the streets of Florida. I think I, I think I had about um three or four of you guys come up to me while I was in Miami doing my thing. Um, and I just want to say I love it. I appreciate it. it. It's really funny when you're doing a podcast like this, and when you're doing you know Facebook videos and, and things like that that I do. Sometimes it's like you're doing all this stuff into a vacuum, and sometimes you wonder who you're really reaching if people are really connecting to all of this. I spoke with this very beautiful woman problematic that came up to me. I was having a solo lunch in some restaurant in Brickell. I spent a couple of days in Brickell, which is sort of like the downtown fabulous area of Miami. Bethany Frankel was at this particular restaurant. So I kind of fanned out a little bit. Of course, I didn't go up to her. I don't I wouldn't go up to somebody like Bethany. Those are she's an actual celebrity. I'm just uh, a, a political commentator and your friend in your head. So definitely come up to me whenever you see me. But you know, I'm just sitting there having a little solo lunch. This beautiful woman walks up to me. I, uh, a beautiful woman, if you're listening to me, I I forget what your name is, but I believe that this woman was um, Ukrainian. I believe she told me she was Ukrainian, and she talked a lot about how she likes listening to the podcast because she is just so anti this leftism and anti this communism and anti all of this stuff that is kind of has kind of taken over right in America for a while. And I really loved and respected and appreciated that. And we had a a really nice interaction. I just went back to, you know, my salad and my Prosecco. And then I was walking down Collins Avenue on Miami Beach. I'm just, you know, walking with my friend. And so he goes, hey, man, I think I'm following you on Facebook. I think I watched your videos. So he brings me in for the selfie. And it was just, it was a really cool way to end the year just seeing you guys. So, you know, if you see me around, I'm not Beyonce. If you listen to my podcast, we're already friends. Problematics, you're friends in my head. I, I tell you guys this because it's true. So definitely come up and, uh, you know, pull me in for the selfie. Say hi. Just don't get into a fist fight with me like that crazy leftist did when I was in LA. So speaking of Miami, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez went viral multiple times over the weekend because she was caught out partying in Miami. Now, The fact that she was in Miami is whatever. The thing about it is, is that no Republican, nobody on the right that was criticizing AOC for being in Miami was criticizing her for using her freedom as an American to spend her time wherever she chooses. That's not it. The idea is that she is a lockdown advocate politician. Her district in New York, you know, New York is going COVID crazy all over again. And she decides to fly out of that and fly down into freedom in Florida, which is Florida is an incredible place to live, right? But you've seen this hypocrisy over and over and over again. And so now there's a couple of things that happen here. So she gets photoed out in Miami, this by somebody, Uh, this video goes completely viral, goes all over the place in a national review. 
So there is the, the response of her to this is so telling in terms of just how Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez sees the world, how these people think. The response is to immediately go on the defensive and to immediately make this entire situation something that it wasn't. And it was because of what I will say was a stupid tweet for by one of these conservatives. So this guy's Team Cortez tweets. And he's using the photo of her, you know, toasting margaritas with this, with her, with her boyfriend. Uh, and he says, you know, if leftists like AOC actually thought mandates and masking worked, they wouldn't be frolicking in free, free Florida. True, right? That's number one. Number two, uh, her guy is showing his gross pale male feet in public, not at a pool beach with hideous sandals. Oh, for two. So this Steve Cortez guy, I don't know. I think he used to be on Newsmax, but then he left Newsmax because of the vaccine mandate. I don't know. Number one, Steve Cortez, if you were just going to go with number one, it would have been okay. But then you just had to go to the personal attacks. And this leaves um, a professional victim like AOC completely open to say what she ended up saying. So this is what she says in response to this particular tweet. If Republicans are mad, they can't date me. They can just say that instead of projecting their sexual frustrations onto my boyfriend's feet, you creepy weirdos. It's starting to get old, ignoring the very obvious, strange, and deranged sexual frustrations that underpin the Republican fixation on me, women, and LGBT plus people in general. These people clearly need therapy, won't do it, and use politics as their outlet instead. It's really weird. So... This is my thing when it comes to AOC. I don't get outraged about AOC. You guys know how I feel about things. With AOC, these people are telling you who they are. She is showing and telling you who she is every second of the way. And if you're going to be one of her deranged followers, you're just going to have to understand that in her mind, she is special. And when she does something, it is okay. These politicians are all do as I say, not as I do. So you have to understand that 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 is who this person is. And when you realize that AOC is what they call a useful idiot, a a tool of the elites, because she is young, attractive, Latina, social media literate, when you realize that she's a useful idiot and when you realize that she is a tool of the elites that are trying to usher communism into this country... She becomes a lot less threatening because she's just stupid. She's she's being used, right? And she's making a lot of money and she's playing the game. And, and that's the whole thing. I don't spend a lot of my time getting mad at, at AOC. What frustrates me and what I think frustrates the vast majority of the public and, and a lot of people on the right in general is that these people spent the last two years telling you that you were going to die if you lived your life. These people spent the last two years telling you that if you went to go see grandma, you were going to kill her. If you went out to see brunch, you were going to put people at risk. All you need to do is get vaccinated. If you get vaccinated, you're not going to get COVID. Oh, wait a minute. No, we lied. Because now if you're vaccinated, you can get and spread COVID. So now you're going to need boosters, which will continue into oblivion, right? So this is what people have spent the last two years listening to from people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. This highlighting her hypocrisy and really 
presenting this on a platter to people. And if you're problematics, if you I know I have a lot of conservative leaning problematics, I know I have a lot of hardcore Republican problematics. I have some independents and I have a couple of even liberals that listen to me for the independents and liberals that listen to me. AOC and these people, they show you exactly who they are via their behavior. They want to be free. They want to come to Florida to be free. They want to be Nancy Pelosi and get their hair done. They want to be Gavin Newsom and lock down restaurants while uh, dining out at dinner and getting a $50,000 wine bill. Okay, so this is who these people are. And so if you are going to continue to vote for these people, know that you are voting for these people have used their celebrity status to brainwash you. And know that they do not care about you. AOC is not afraid of COVID. If she was afraid of COVID, she would not have been in Miami in the first place. These people are not afraid of COVID. They want you to be afraid of COVID. And by the way, and this is an angle that you guys aren't going to hear a lot of, and this is what I resent as a gay man. Funny enough, so even after this, so AOC was caught out at drag brunch in Miami at a place called Palace. And I was at that drag brunch. That that drag brunch has two showings, one at 11 a.m. and one at 2 p.m. I believe that AOC, she had to have been at the one um, at 2 p.m. yesterday on Sunday because that is when this stuff all came out. There's no way that she was at my showing because if I saw her, you know me, I would have got my cell phone. I would have made a moment out of it. You know, I would have caused a scene. So she obviously, at the end of all this, has has dealt with it in completely a completely selfish, self-absorbed way. Instead of making it a teachable moment, and Harris Faulkner over and outnumbered, she made this point very eloquently. Instead of making this a teachable moment, instead of either acknowledging her fault or saying that I am in this place, like I am in Florida, I am following the guidelines, I also have to enjoy my life too, which I think people would have respected, Okay. I think that. But these people cannot be honest with you. They have to double and triple down. That is why she did the, oh, Republicans just want to have sex with me and all this other stuff. And so after all of this, she obviously handled this situation completely wrong. And so she goes to drag brunch. She goes to wrap herself in the gays and the lesbians and the drag queens and like that whole culture to deflect All of the negative attention from her. And as a gay man, I am so tired of just gays and lesbians being used in this way by the communists of the left, who, by the way, do not care a lick about gays and lesbians. They've already shown that they don't care about lesbians and women, but through their wholehearted embrace of the sort of far left transgender agenda, right? Which completely erases and eliminates women, right? So whenever their back is to the corner, she runs and wraps herself up around gays and lesbians. I resent it as a gay man. And I wish that gays and lesbians and people in this community would stop falling for this from these people. These people do not care about you. These people are not going to protect you. You are nothing to these people but another vote and a way to keep them in power. You are not anything but another victim group that will be used to keep these people in power in perpetuity. 
so that people like AOC, people like Nancy Pelosi, people like Gavin Newsom, people like de Blasio, people like all of these people can bully and shame and berate you for living your life during the coronavirus pandemic while turning around and doing the same thing that they argue against. AOC is showing you exactly who she is. These people are showing you exactly who they are. So if you continue to fall for this, if you continue to make excuses for these people, if you continue to watch them basically say, do as I say, not as I do, and listen and follow these people, it is your own fault when you find yourself living in the tyranny and in these lockdown hell holes that they have to escape when they want to have a good time. Up next, Dan Crenshaw and Marjorie Taylor Greene are fighting again via social media. I will tell you exactly what they're fighting about after the break. So Dan Crenshaw and Marjorie Taylor Greene are are pretty much having a knockdown drag out fight on on social media right now. There was a lot of subtweeting, but then there just ended up being some direct stuff. So let me give you some context to exactly what is going on here. Social media censorship is a very big deal. It is something that you hear conservatives talking about all the time. I don't particularly whine about social media censorship a lot, uh, guys, because for me, I, I will tell you how, how I feel about social media censorship. And I, I will tell you this as somebody that has a Twitter platform, has Facebook, has Instagram. This is, how, this is how I make my money. I'm a political commentator. This is what it is. I have started behind the scenes devoting more of my energy into developing alternative platforms and finding a way to take the audience that I have built onto these other platforms. I think that that is the best way forward. So I don't spend a whole hell of a lot of my time whining about social media censorship. But here's the thing. It is important um, because for people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who just had her personal account suspended from Twitter, people like Dan Crenshaw, there is a very obvious censorship when it comes to the powers that be at Twitter, when it comes to conservative-leaning personalities and Republican elected office holders. And this is not just a double standard that people are complaining about and saying this is a double standard that we see in practice every single day. Remember, a couple of uh, months ago when Uncle Tim, remember when Tim Scott, I believe that he gave the rebuttal to one of some Joe Biden, say the union address or whatever, and Uncle Tom was, or Uncle Tim was trending on Twitter. That's obviously a slur. Obviously, they're calling Tim Scott um, an Uncle Tom because he's a black Republican, but now he's not Uncle Tom. He's Uncle Tim, right? Ha ha. This is something that the liberals at at Twitter, this is a racial slur. This is something that the liberals at Twitter allowed to trend for about a day. Right. So so this is the political leanings of the powers that be that control who has a voice and who does not have a voice on Twitter, who gets verified and who does not get verified on Twitter. Right. And so this is what we're dealing with here. And so now Marjorie Taylor Greene is banned. Her, her She's permanently banned um, on Twitter, her personal account for, quote unquote, COVID-19 disinformation. Right. And basically 
the only thing what co- what what Marjorie Taylor Greene shared on Twitter is nothing different than what doctors have been saying on CNN accounts, where doctors have been saying in the mainstream media in the very beginning, which is she basically was talking about the people that are the most high risk for COVID-19, obviously elderly people, stuff like that, right? So now, anyway, they have banned her for quote-unquote COVID-19 disinformation. And let's think about, number one, how scary in 1984 this all is. And number two, I don't like the term disinformation and misinformation, okay? If you notice, these are terms that were created over the past couple of years by the left that have entered into the lexicon, and this is what the left has used to completely control the narrative when it be, when it comes to COVID-19. And they will use disinformation and misinformation. They will use these terms to control the narrative, whatever. And when, whenever the next thing is, they will use that to control the narrative, right? Remember, if you can remember long enough, I know it's going on two years, and I know it seems like a lifetime ago, but I am old enough to remember when accounts were suspended from Twitter for saying that the coronavirus came from a lab in Wuhan that has proven to be true, right? So all of these things that have proven have been proven to be true over the past couple of years that the powers that be on Twitter were trying to suppress were actually true. And think about even outside of COVID-19, think about the way that Twitter suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story, which was completely and 100% corroborated. That was a true thing that Twitter decided that that was a lie and we're going to suppress that and all that other stuff, right? So Green responds in the statement. She says, Twitter is an enemy to America and can't handle the truth. That's fine. I'll show America. We don't need them. And it's time to defeat our enemies. And so this is what Dan Crenshaw responded to this on Instagram. Because Dan Crenshaw, I follow I follow him on Instagram. This year, he's actually, this year, um, recently, he's actually shared a photograph on Instagram of legislation that he's actually trying to use to prohibit political censorship. This is what he said on Instagram. Real Marjorie Taylor Greene, instead of playing the victim about censorship, maybe use your position as a legislator to help pass legislation against censorship. Luckily, I've already done all the hard work for you and drafted a bill that would change Section 230 to prohibit political censorship. Want a co-sponsor before I introduce it or prefer to keep up with petty and childish attacks? Your call. And of course, you know, he's into link to the bill. So obviously he is using... MTG to to publicize his bill. Great. Legislation. Fine. Good for you, Crenshaw. And this is what he said, and this goes even deeper. He said that Marjorie scoffed at the notion of supporting anti-censorship legislation is indicative of her true intent to remain a victim. She doesn't want solutions and she doesn't care if you get censored. She just wants to be a victim so she can keep asking you for campaign donations. It's a scam. Okay. There's a lot of stuff going on here. First of all, I will say this, Crenshaw is absolutely right about one part of this. He is absolutely right about the fact that there are a lot of people that are making a lot of money and getting a lot of campaign donations, pretending to fight and pretending that they are really worried about social media censorship when they are not worried about you, they're worried about themselves. When Trump was president, I remember this. When Trump was president, and I believe that at the time, this is maybe 2018 or, or early 2019, um, it was a it was a point in time when when they had full control of everything, right? And they still didn't do anything about social media censorship. So Trump whined about social media censorship and he tweeted about it and all that stuff, but he didn't do anything about it because it wasn't affecting him, right? 
and then the Demo- the Democrats go back to House, and so now that stuff is never going to happen. So there are a lot of people, even on the conservative and Republican side, that are not interested in really doing work. They're interested in pulling social media stunts. They're interested in pretending that they're fighting for you because, like I said, a lot of these people are grifters, right? So Crenshaw is right about that, that aspect of it. Now, I want to read to you how Marjorie Taylor Greene responded, and this is what she said. Dan Crenshaw, who spends more time attacking America First Republicans because he not so secretly hates Trump, is talking about a bill to, quote, hold big tech accountable. But it is the same type of toothless bill the Paul Ryan types try to sell to make it look like they're doing something. Right? There are many Republican bills on the issue, but none of them have been passed and won't pass under Nancy Pelosi. While we're in the minority, the most important thing we can do is show up and vote, call for recorded votes to put uniparty career politicians on record, and do everything we can to stop the Democrats' communist agenda. Unfortunately, Dan doesn't always walk in the chamber to vote to stop Democrat bills, even when he's in town. Republicans would have stopped Maxine Waters' bill, but Dan couldn't be bothered to vote. And this is a bill that she Instagrammed a photo of that Dan Crenshaw didn't vote on, right? We also, this is MTG again, we must also never allow the Republican Party to be ran by the Bush, Cheney, McCain, neocons of the early 2000s, and we have some among us in Congress trying to keep the neocon fight alive. Now, you notice, and I've talked to you about MTG before, Um, You know, maybe I'll have her on the podcast. Maybe I won't. I I feel like if I had a conversation with MTG and I really got some of these people on my podcast, I have no I have zero interest in fanboying and zero interest in doing PR for any of these people. So it is highly unlikely that I'm going to get them on this podcast. Right. But I did an episode on Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I think that Marjorie Taylor Greene is misunderstood in a lot of different ways. She says a lot of very stupid, silly things that have to be walked back. I get that. But the concept that MTG has about this uniparty is very real. And I'll tell you problematics. I am in political world. I try not to get that deep in political world. Like I, I still see myself as a commentator first. When you get deeper into this political world of fundraisers, of people that are making money off of this and all that stuff, there is a very real uniparty that she speaks of. And this uniparty is people that are Republicans and Democrats who don't really want to change the fundamental things that need to be changed because these people are very content and very happy to live high on the hog. They are very happy to make ridiculous amounts of money. They are very happy to do, you know, do fundraisers for candidates that are that are just not good candidates, right? They are very happy to just be in the swamp and live that swamp game. I'm around some of these people sometimes. And these people do not particularly I don't know that some of these people particularly care about meat and potatoes issues that that real Americans are going through, right? I believe that they care about continuing to do the DC circuit, continuing to make ridiculous amounts of money, continuing to eat nice dinners, be in fabulous restaurants, all of that stuff. And this is not a criticism of me for people having nice lives. Okay, you work hard, you should be expected to have a nice you should want to have a nice life. I do not know that a lot of these people are working hard and they pretend as if they have the best interests of the public 
am working class Americans at heart where I do not believe that some of these people do. I don't believe that they could care less about people that are not living the kinds of lifestyles that they are living, right? And so that is what MTG is saying here. When she talks about the uniparty, when she talks about things that actually need to be done to change. And I think that I don't like seeing Crenshaw and MTG fighting. I believe that the party needs people like Crenshaw and MTG. I don't know that Crenshaw is the the quote unquote neocon, the Bush Cheney type that Marjorie Taylor Greene and some people thinks that he is. I know, and I've said this before on the podcast, and I've said this to Crenshaw. I I think that sometimes when you are the Republican that gets invited to MSNBC, that gets invited to CNN, that gets mainstream attention, I think that it can kind of I, I think that you can kind of get used to that and it kind of stops you from being the kind of fighter that is really needed. MTG cares nothing about any of this stuff. She cares nothing about being dubbed the, the female Trump. She cares nothing about what the elites in New York City and LA and DC think of her. There is something that she is trying to do in Congress. She is trying to get rid of these uniparty people. She is trying to get rid of the do-nothings that get elected into office and just play the game. Guys, I do, you know, I, I do the, the circuit a lot just as a speaker, as whatever. You would be surprised. There are over 400 members in Congress right now, right, in general, right? 435, I think it is. I think I think that think that's the number. Don't think I'm stupid if that's if that's not the right number. But you have to understand that there are hundreds of Republican Congress people all across the country that you have never heard of. These people are playing a game. So we spent a lot of our time talking about maybe 15 Republican Congress people that have entered a level of, of prominence to where they can really be visible enough to to shake things up and, and to make stuff done and to get stuff done. There's so many of these Republicans who sit around and not do anything. These people have been in office for decades and they have done absolutely positively nothing. And that is why you need MTG. You need people like Crenshaw that are going to go to the MSNBCs and CNNs of the world and they're going to break things down because if you see Crenshaw when he does these hits, there he has a skill level and a talent that Marjorie Taylor Greene just does not have in those environments. And when you're dealing with these people, you need to be somebody that is calm. You need to be somebody that is not emotional. You need to be somebody that deals in facts. But we also need a Marjorie Taylor Greene that is going to shake things up. Now, this fight that you're seeing, we'll say, between Crenshaw, between MTG, between the America First crowd, that it, these are flamethrowers, and between the Dan Crenshaws and the Nancy Maces of the world, who get invited on CNN every once in a while because, you know, they, they play the game. There's going to be a big battle between these two types in the Republican Party for the next decade to come, even when the party does get power again. And even when we start trying to right the ship of America away from communism, we're going to be seeing this stuff, I, I think, for for a while. 
And I don't like the argument, but I think that this is a very important conversation. And I think it's a conversation that that needs to happen. And problem X, I'm not trying to play both sides. This is just really how I feel about this. And we are going to see the battles, like this battle that we're seeing right now between Crenshaw and MTG. We're going to see similar things like that play out, I believe, over the next decade as we get different Republicans in Congress and we get different types of Republicans in Congress. Up next, Joe Biden may be getting a 2024 challenge from the left. I'll have more up on that after the break. Okay, Problematics, this is very interesting. So the chatter about Joe Biden getting a challenge from the left has gotten louder and louder. And there is a, a very interesting Politico article that is that is pretty deeply sourced um, that goes into this. It's basically the left is already looking to 2024. Some want to see a Biden primary challenge, right? So Problematics, I've talked to you ad nauseum about Biden's failures going into this has been a year, right, of his presidency. We have talked about the inflation, which, by the way, by all economic indicators, and a lot of these economists are talking about this, and I'm telling you, even on left-leaning networks, inflation is here to say, and inflation is going absolutely nowhere, right? So by all indication, we see that inflation is bad. We see that the economy is not incredible. It could be much worse, right? Um, It is going to continue to get better as people go back to work. Thank God um, that Build Back Better plan didn't pass. More on that that in, in a little bit because that is exactly why Biden may be getting a 2024 challenge. But we see the stuff on the border. So we see all of these things. And I've talked to you guys a lot about this. I've done entire episodes about this. It's a broken record at this point. But now, these failures that Republicans have talked about ad nauseum, are becoming too much even for the left to ignore. You get the sense, and I am getting the sense by looking at everything that is going on here, these people, the messaging is very off from the left because I'm not going to get too deep into the COVID stuff again. I, I, I went into that with AOC, but you're starting to get the sense that this Omicron variant is not going to be enough to get people upset about COVID anymore, right? We're going through COVID fatigue. So, and, and, and I told you a couple of weeks ago, the, the racism stuff is, is going to come back in a couple of weeks as well, right? They're not getting a handle on this situation because they are so bad. They're just bad at governing. And that was the most shocking thing to me. Obviously, did not vote for Joe Biden when he won. I had hopes that these people could at least be competent. And the thing that has shocked me the most is how incompetent they are. It's not even the leftism. It's not even the race stuff. It's not even the identity politics. It's not even all of that stuff. It is just about their fundamental inability to effectively govern, which has led to things like the most expensive Thanksgiving ever in history, which has led to things like the supply chain crisis, which has led to things like staffing shortages and shortages in a lot of different ways. And so anyway, when the left 
when the left has all the power in the world, these people control, by the way, I, I say this to you guys over and over again, but you have to understand that these people control every lever of power that can be controlled in American society. The House, the Senate, the presidency, the entertainment media, the political media, the journalism media, they have it all. Social media. They own it all. And these people are still failing. So when the left and these policies fail, the answer that comes from the left, and particularly what comes from progressives, is always that, well, these policies were not progressive enough. Now, that leads me into the fact that there likely will be a challenge to Biden in 2024, a primary challenge that will come from the left. And this is really coming into play here because Joe Manchin killed the Build Back Better plan. You know, that sort of far left social agenda, climate, like that was just the big social spending cradle to grave government welfare pro that that was what they wanted that was the signature part of the joe biden agenda and we talked about we were listening to ad nauseum about how if this didn't happen you know we're all going to die because of climate change and all this stuff is going to happen this did not happen because joe manchin killed it so now the progressives want to challenge biden and they want to challenge that entire wing of the party and this is what political Got a couple people on record. One of these guys, the co-founder of a progressive pack called No Excuses and a former comms director for, again, AOC. And this is what he said. He's deeply unpopular. He's old as crap. He's largely been ineffective unless we're counting judges or whatever the hell inside baseball scorecard we're using. And I think he'll probably get demolished in the midterms. People will smell opportunity and D.C. is filled with people who want to be president. And... This is what people are thinking. People are thinking that, you know, former Sanders campaign co-chair Nina Turner or Marianne Williamson will be one of those people. Personally, for me, as somebody that is a political commentator and that loves, I mean, I really do enjoy doing this because I love, it's like those people that just love sports and they just become sports casters because they're just obsessed with it and it's their thing. I just, I really love, you know, calling the shots and politics and things like that. For me, somebody like Nina Turner would be, fascinating, utterly fascinating to challenge Biden for the presidency. Now, Nina Turner, a big Bernie Sanders person, um, a pretty far left, you know, she's a, she's a Sanders acolyte. She's a far left black woman. She ran for Congress in Ohio. She got defeated by um, sort of a machine-backed centrist um, congresswoman, now congresswoman named Chantel Brown, I believe. Somebody like that would be, it would be utterly fascinating to watch someone like that try to run for president, to see how the left would deal with her, um, to see what her messaging would be. I think it would be fascinating. It would likely not be her. She'll probably try to run for Congress again. And Marianne Williamson has actually gone on record as saying that, you know, she may run. Okay, so this is what Marianne Williamson said. She didn't say she's going to run, but this is what she said. And I quote, I think the president will definitely face a challenger in 2024. The yearning to make government actually work for the people again is so intense now. And yes, absolutely, someone will emerge to make a stand for it. She did not respond to a question about whether she would consider running against Biden. Turner also said that there would be a left wing challenge, quote, without a doubt. Again, Turner did not reply when asked whether she's going to be the one to do it, right? 
And so what we're dealing with here is, like I said, this challenge is not going to come from mainstream Democrats. It's not going to come from people like Bernie Sanders, who's who's rode his who's rode that grift to, you know, riches to the level that uh, I mean, he probably dreamed he probably never even dreamed of. He he rode that grift so high, and and Bernie Sanders is a number. He's old as crap. He's a multimillionaire many times over. He's played the game. He's in there. He's he's fine. He's not going to run again, right? So the challenger is good. The challenge is going to come from the left. And the interesting thing when that challenge comes is that whoever this person that is challenging is going to have to convince people that the reason that the country is on fire in many different ways right now, no, not literally on fire, that was last summer. Well, that was the summer of 2020. But the country is metaphorically on fire in a lot of different ways is because there's not enough progressives in power and that they just did not go far enough. And if any, look, uh, conservative Republican problematics is if somebody comes to you with that crap argument, you just ask them, is Philadelphia failing? Is Detroit failing? Is L.A. failing? Is New York City on the brink? Or did all of these people in all of these cities fail because they weren't progressive enough? No, they failed because they were too progressive to the point of absolute lunacy. And we need to stop calling these people progressives because they are regressive. Their policies are regressive for crime. Their policies are regressive for people entering into the workforce. The policies are regressive for anyone who wants to send their children to public education minus the leftist indoctrination. So we need to stop calling these people progressives. And what Republicans need to start getting better at, by the way, is we need to start using language to our advantage the way that the left does. So I will not call these people progressives anymore. They are regressives. Just like I will not say LGBTQ plus anymore, whatever, I will say gays and lesbians. Because we need to start using language to our advantage. So yes, Biden will definitely get a challenge from the left in 2024. I will personally be popping my popcorn because it's going to be very interesting to see how this is going to play out in 2024, particularly when the Democrats lose the House. Like I am almost 100 percent positive that they're about to lose it. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Special thanks to our producer, Robert Borowski, and executive producers, Debbie Myers and Speaker New Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Part of the Gingrich 360 Network.